Switching my EHR to Jane was the best decision I made for my practice in 2023. And when I love something, I cannot shut up about it. Me too. And we are not just saying this because it's an ad. We both switched our EHR platforms to Jane on our own dime and free will. It was important to us that our EHR company be led by integrated healthcare professionals, not a big tech company that has no idea what it's like to be a therapist. Jane gets the importance of patient privacy and security over profit and growth. And the team at Jane knows that our time as therapists is valuable. So they help you run your private practice with automations and excellent customer service. We are talking about online intake forms that automatically collect client info, consent, insurance, and payments all before your first session. And because even the best clients forget sometimes, Jane has you covered with automatic reminders too. We really couldn't be happier switching our EHR to Jane, and we know you will be too. So mention Bad Therapist when you switch to Jane and get your 30-day grace period on your account. That's code badtherapist at jane.app to ditch your outdated EHR and join us and our love for Jane. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. While we're certainly not promoting actual bad therapy, we are here to shine a light on the messy situations that therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Allie, we're going to hear today from Desiree about how she knew that she was going against her gut when she took on a client and what happens next. Do you trust your gut in the therapy room? I hear my gut in the therapy room. I hear my intuition. I can openly admit, sadly, I don't always listen to it, but I can pretty confidently say that those times where I don't listen to it, even though I know I should, it usually doesn't go too well for me. Same, same. I think it's pretty obvious to me when I'm going against my gut, um, even if I don't want to acknowledge it. I feel it in my body. And Desiree shares her story of how she handled it and what became of it and how she integrated what she learned into developing her practice moving forward. So before we get into our story, this is just a reminder that this episode is not a substitute for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself because we don't actually endorse bad therapy be here. All right. Well, this is episode number 73 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hi, 
Hi, Desiree. I know that we know each other from the network, but welcome to the podcast. Hi, Catherine. I'm so excited to be joining you and Allie today, and thanks for having me. We're excited to hear from you, too, and thanks for coming on the show. Before we get into your bad therapist situation, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I would love to, uh, where I am a licensed marriage and family therapist located in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I offer virtual telehealth sessions to folks across the state. Um, we focus on anxiety, depression, life cycle transitions, and a lot of the time we're really working through some of these narratives that folks have been existing in that just don't feel empowering and authentic to their lives and we work on those things together. It's it's really a blessing. I, I'm grateful to do this work. That's so special. That is amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that piece. And why don't we dive into it? Um, what is the story you're going to share that made you question if you were about therapist? Yeah, well, there was this couple that came to mind. Um, they reached out for a intake and were really having a hard time in their marriage Um and one of the things that really stood out to me with what they wanted help in is infidelity recovery and sex addiction. And that's something that personally I don't specialize in and it's out of my scope of practice. So ethically, I wanted to make sure that they were aware of this. So after we touched base a little bit more on the phone call, I let them know, you know, a lot of my scope of practice is working with couples that have any kind of challenges with communication um, and even with conflict management or conflict resolution. But it seemed like they were really wanting to move forward here. And I felt, if I can be honest, a little overwhelmed. Um, I set my boundary. I said, I really think you all need to work with somebody who specializes in this particular area but they were really insistent and they had already had a few issues before with couples counseling. So I kind of felt this pressure that they finally found someone they could connect with. And I felt like I just couldn't say no. So here you are, you set the boundary and now you have to hold the boundary with clients mm -hmm. who are really, it sounds like maybe pulling on your heartstrings a bit with this, it didn't work out before. What was, what was this pressure you felt? Yeah, it was, it was so bizarre. It was almost like, I guess it was imposter syndrome of, you know, kind of this finding out that, um, that I maybe wasn't this compassionate person or wasn't this person who was able to, um, really lean into studying a skill set that maybe I just wasn't able to practice at this time, but could certainly work on and in, in trainings and whatnot. Um, but I think overall, it was just I didn't want them to be mad at me. That was the biggest piece. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. And it can, I feel like it can be so hard where I feel like it's come up for me, even where it's like you have a consultation with someone, you're really feeling like, I don't think this is going to be the right fit or I don't, you know, I don't, maybe this isn't my full area that I work in, but that person, like Catherine even said, can tug on your heartstrings. You don't want to say no. Yeah. And sometimes I know for myself in the past, I've thought I should say no and I didn't and mm -hmm. I should have. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us what happened for you? Did you say no? Did you end up working with this couple? What happened? 
Yeah. So what I said to them at the end of our phone call was, you know what, we'll go ahead and move forward with the intake and then we'll see how you both are feeling afterwards. I'll gather some more information. And at that time I can go ahead and determine if we're going to need to refer out. And so that's what we did. And at the end of the session, I reiterated, I really think you both need to work with somebody who specializes in this particular area because I'm only going to be able to focus on a portion of what is presenting right now. And there's going to come a time where there needs more uh, to happen in this other area that we're not fully addressing. And of course, the pressure is back on. They say, you know, we really feel comfortable with you. We haven't felt like this before with a couples therapist. We really want to move forward and working together. So at that point in time, I knew I was setting myself up. <laughs> and I, I tried my hardest to focus on, again, what was in my scope of practice, but we just kept bumping up against the things that I knew that we would. And I, I found myself eventually just putting out fires every single time they were popping up in my office. Um, you know, we, we were talking about homework assignments that might be able to help navigate some of the things that were going on at home. And they would come back saying, oh, well, we didn't do them because I didn't want to do the homework assignment. This thing's more pressing. So it was, it was almost like, I started being the one doing a lot more work than the couple, and I started feeling extremely burnt out. I noticed myself not having enough to give to my other clients after I was finished with these sessions with them, and I just felt really stuck. Um, and then on top of that, things just kind of, I think, took a spiral for me uh, on the personal side of things. I ended up getting COVID and I ended up having these really bad impairments with my memory. Couldn't remember when people were scheduled, couldn't remember homework assignments I was getting out, making a lot of different errors and mistakes, having technological issues on top of that and just feeling very unprofessional presenting. Um, yeah, it just impacted my inner dialogue, how I was talking to myself. And I just felt like it started impacting my practice with my clients. This one case, this one couple, client couple mm -hmm. that came in can really, it really impacted you way beyond just their hour session each week or how mm -hmm. often you saw them. And I, I think this is interesting because I feel like you're, what you're really speaking to are your internal boundaries that you identified at the beginning. And I can relate to this when we have clients that come in and we inform them of our scope of practice and they, for, for one reason or another, want to work with us so badly that they fit their presenting concern into our scope of practice. But deep down, we know, we our gut's telling us, they they really need X and we do Y. They, they're telling us we need Y, but we know that they really need X. And it sounds like that's what happened. They kept coming to you needing something different and you kept, you, you, you saw that. That's when you kept butting up against the wall again, right? They were pulling for what you knew you couldn't give them. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I, I think that internal boundary was just constantly being tugged and tugged. It's almost like if I can imagine this um, ball of yarn, mm -hmm. it just felt like it mm -hmm. just kept getting undone. And I just didn't know what to do at that point in time. 
and I didn't feel like I was a good therapist. I even started questioning my ability to do this work. Um, I questioned if I even wanted to do this work anymore. And I felt like that was a little extreme because I, I was like, you know, it's just this one client. Maybe there's another, another way to look at this. But my inner dialogue was so, so warped at that time that I was beating myself up. It was bad. Yeah. And I feel like it can impact us so much of like where we can see on the big scale, you know, mm-hmm. what we're doing, the like the good pieces of it. But sometimes that session, like I've even had that sometimes where, you know, you almost are kind of dreading it or afterwards, like you said, you feel so burnt out and so drained mm-hmm. um, and it can be so tricky. Now, you said something earlier, Desiree, where you said you were like, oh, do I need to read more or study more. And this has actually come up for me and for some of my supervisees where something will present in the therapy room. And instead of again saying, okay, maybe it's just not within my scope, I need to refer out. It's like, well, maybe I can learn more, mm-hmm. which when you're already feeling burnt out and drained by the sessions. Putting that on your plate, we know isn't realistic. Did you end up feeling that way or did you end up trying to fill in some of those gaps, which mm-hmm. might have led to more burnout? Or how did you navigate that piece or that thought that told you I should learn more? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Y'all should have seen me. I, it was like after every session, I would get on Google. I would start looking stuff up, uh-huh. different resources and trainings. And I found a few that were actually helpful for them long-term, but in, in the effect of helping me to expand my scope of practice, by no means. It was very, very much short-lived on how I was able to say, okay, here you go, here's this thing. Um, but it, yeah, you're totally right, Allie. I think that it just made me even more burnt out. I felt like, again, I was doing so much more work than what I needed to. And it was impacting my ability to just be present as a clinician. And that was really hard. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Our clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Hey, listeners. It's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself, and I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at her website, cccs.care. Allie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website cccs.care and sign up for free today. Well, 
let's loop back to the show. Now, Desiree, I, I, I hear the pressure of the self-imposed pressure of not wanting to make people mad or wanting to help people and please people that people pleasing comes mm -hmm. out. But was there any, you know, administrative or financial pressure to keep this mm -hmm. client? Because I know that so often when we're either building a caseload or working under someone else, there is a pressure to maintain a certain caseload, mm -hmm. whether it be external or internal. Did that ever come up in your mind? Yeah, thanks for, for sharing that, Catherine. Um, I, at this time, was contracted with another practice. And so this couple came through that particular practice. And um, I think just with previous experiences at group practices, there's like this weird pressure of you have to take mm -hmm. every single client mm -hmm. that is coming in because not only is it your own financial situation that you're monitoring, but now you have to be mindful of this other bigger financial machine that, that is mm -hmm. working. So I do think that that was a big piece of it. Um, and I think at the time early on in my work with them, I was still in my associate licensure. So I needed my clinical hours. I needed my relational mm -hmm. hours, especially as a marriage and family therapist. And those are tricky to get sometimes. So there was this pressure to just do this thing because all of these other needs were also presented at the same time. I can absolutely relate to all of that, both the internal and the external and the realistic pressure of needing to earn money in this mm -hmm. world. So I, I can absolutely relate to that. And that all plays into this decision to go against your gut, which is telling you this couple needs what I can't give them. And they're going to come to me and look for something that I can't give them. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm curious, how did the work progress? What did, what did you do with them? Yeah. So... What I ended up doing was I explored some supervision at different points in time. And I think the my supervisor had even shared with me the first time she said, you know, it's okay to refer out. I think it's, it's okay to have this conversation if you're feeling this way. And I was inside of myself just like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to work through, I'm going to work through it. Um, but I think it wasn't until I really started noticing some of the things that were happening outside of the therapy sessions with these clients that I was working with that I could see just how impactful it was. Um, I, I didn't mention at the time, I was also working on my private practice and I had invested in this marketing program and I had a business coach. And I just stopped meeting with this person because I had so much anxiety and burnout. So there was just this constant um, feeling of being stuck. So I continued to work with this couple and continued to feel drained. And it wasn't until I finally said, you know what, I have to do something different here. My, my inner dialogue has shifted. I try to tell my clients to give themselves grace and compassion. Why am I not doing this for myself in this moment? And she, my business coach, when I scheduled with her, she was the reason why things really started to shift at this time. Interesting. It was a business coach. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little more about that shift and how it impacted clinical work? Yeah. So I, uh, Dr. Kim is awesome. Uh, she, she helped me to really see how I needed to start outsourcing mm -hmm. and I needed to 
really lean into supervision more frequently. I needed to, she even um, recommended I do peer consultations with some of my resources and, and with my colleagues. And she even had recommended that I, um, I just start leaning into gathering guidance and wisdom from other colleagues that could really help me to see things from another lens because I was so stuck in that moment and in that space. So that's exactly what I did. I reached out immediately to my supervisor and she said something that really helped me. She said, I think you need to start focusing on wording your marketing towards your ideal client so that you're attracting the folks that really energize you, that you don't feel this sense of dread, that you don't feel the sense of imposter syndrome with, that you feel really capable to support. Um, she recommended I adjust my schedule so that I can create more blocks of time to just be and to restore after sessions, especially tougher sessions. Um, and she said something to me. She said, just because you're not a good fit for a client as a therapist does not mean that you are a you are not a good therapist. Right. And I truly appreciated those words. Um, I think that gave me permission to know that I'm not supposed to be everybody's therapist. And that is totally OK. Um, so that happened. I reached out to a few folks from grad school that I talked to on a regular basis. We ended up creating a biweekly peer consultation, which we actually continue to do today. Um, and I, it was so helpful. I, I felt so relieved and I was able to even recommend decreasing some couple sessions with this particular couple and asking them to increase their individual work because that is really what needed to happen. <laughs> and so, yeah, things started shifting at that point in time and I felt so much better. That's amazing. I feel like this is such a great illustration of like it is so easy as therapists to feel like an island. Like it can be so easy to feel closed off if we're just so focused on our clients and feeling so burnt out. Like we don't have the space or energy for these other things. But once we do remind ourselves like that we need them and how helpful they are, like it might take some time up obviously right away, but it gives back tenfold mm -hmm. and it really helps us have that insight. And I'm so glad that you were able to get that in this moment and get that feedback of like, it's so true that we cannot be everyone's therapist mm -hmm. and having our supports, our networks that remind us of these things mm -hmm. when we need them, when we feel burnt out is like, I know I'm so grateful for that. And I would be so lost without my network. Yeah, definitely. I feel the same way. And it's, it, community is so amazing. It's so healing. I think that's why spaces like the one that you all create is so important. But Desiree, I'm super curious on how your work with this these this couple has gone. Did it end? Is it still going? Did they mm -hmm. end up seeing a different couple's therapist? What mm -hmm. specifically with this couple that you pushed past your boundary for? What ended mm -hmm. up happening? Oh yeah, the juiciness. Uh <laughs> So I started to be more assertive with them. I started to communicate what my clinical recommendations were. And I stood on those things. I said, you know, this, this is where I'm seeing our work is going in. I'm, I'm recommending 
certain types of therapy individually at this time. Um, I got some pushback, of course, and you know, I continue to stand firm in what my recommendations were. Um, what's so interesting is that things actually naturally ended over time because I, I personally, I don't know how y'all feel, but I love virtual work. I love working from home. I love the freedom that comes with it. And this couple really wanted to continue to meet in person. I think that they actually started experiencing some more progress with in person and I wanted to go back home. <laughs> so I, I shared that with them. I said, you know, this is where we're at. I'm going to be transitioning back to virtual exclusively. And I wanted to talk about what that means for our work together. They finally agreed on something <laughs> as a couple and were able to say, you know, in person is what's going to work best for us. And we decided to close out our time that particular day. And I just felt really good about leaning into my boundary and standing firm in it. I love that. And I especially love how it ended on them agreeing on something. I think that just mm -hmm. is a beautiful, beautiful note to end on um, with your work with them. I'd like to think that you got them to the point where they can agree to terminate therapy with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. But, you know, however it came about, I think it's it was just wonderful to see that moment happen. I think it did really demonstrate their progress in therapy for sure. That's so great. And I feel like it can be, though, like when we do have to set boundaries, like it can be uncomfortable and it can be uncomfortable for the clients, too. Mm -hmm. But you are kind of giving that example of like, this is what I need. And I would hope that really across the work you did and in that moment, it empowered them to say, OK, well, then this is what we need, too. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was part of the journey, which is so amazing. And again, just speaks to, you know, how it is good for us to uphold our boundaries, even though it can be so hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think that was that was probably one of the biggest takeaways for me is that we have an intuition for a reason. We got to listen to it. And mm -hmm. as many times as I find myself questioning that and then finding later on that I should have just stuck to it, I, I try to compassionately remind myself, let's, let's just lean in. When we know something mm -hmm. to be true, just lean into it. Mm -hmm. Stick to your boundary. Amazing. And so Desiree, what would you say to someone who is listening, whether it's a clinician, a student, um, any of our listeners, if they were maybe having clients that they either have a consultation and they feel like it's not a good fit, if they are actively working with someone and it still kind of feels like it might not be the best fit, what guidance would you give? Yeah, I, oh my goodness, a few things. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, Brace yourself for moments where clients will push your boundaries because it, it does happen, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's an opportunity for you to trust yourself, to assert your own boundary. And I think it's an opportunity to build rapport with our clients to really help model that boundaries are helpful, they're healing, and it allows for us to exist freely in our relationships, no matter what those are. Um, I would also say that um, being able to lean into your supports, your community, whether that be colleagues from grad school, whether it be creating your own sense of community and always, always, always go to supervision. <laughs> 
talk to people because we don't have to exist on an island. Like you were saying, Allie, we don't. We are meant to do this work and to do it with the awesome people that are surrounding us. I couldn't agree more, Desiree. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm sure we will keep talking after the podcast as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. And like I said before, I really appreciate the work that y'all are doing and how you're helping clinicians all over. Oh, thank you, Desiree. And before we let you go, if our listeners did want to connect with you outside of the podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is full, F-U-L-L, circle, W-C, underscore. And um, I guess that's really all I have right now. I'm working on a TikTok, but you can find me on Instagram at the moment. (laughs) Well, we'll link that in the show notes as always. And again, Desiree, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Yes, thanks. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for this week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love the Bad Therapist community so much and want to continue normalizing real therapist experience. You can help us by leaving a five-star review or sharing this episode with a friend or colleague. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And if you've experienced an actual bad therapist, contact your state health department or head over to StopBadTherapy.com for more information. And if you've liked this episode, we've got plenty more. Yeah, over 50 therapist stories ready for you to binge if you can't wait for our newest episode next Monday.